When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more. So you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, and the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Tom. I see in our little notes that you so helpfully prepared, it says, banter ensues. That's one hopes. <laughs> one hopes. <laughs> one so hopes. That, if, if there's any evidence that people need listening that we don't script... This witty repartee, that, that's the proof right there. Is that what it is? Yeah. Witty, witty repartee. <laughs> yeah, some, some days wittier than others. Well, yeah. one hopes. I'm, I'm using, uh, I'm using my, my uh, alternative TopCast mug, the, the Pulp Fiction mug uh, from pulpomizer.com. Um, Thrilling tales of wonder from the radio planet. Brain-changing podcasts from cyberspace. Topcast listeners were never the same. Neither were their brains. I don't remember that mug. Yeah, it's the first one That's I made. Cool. I made that yeah. one before the um, the regular Topcast mug. That's cool. Well, now I've just got my regular old travel mug going here. But um, so since you held up your mug and you uh -huh. shoved it in the camera, um, <laughs> what's what's in the thermos today, Kevin? Well, in the thermos and in my pulpy, fictional um, cup yeah. today, Tom, is a single-origin Kenya Gichirori from Quills Coffee here in Louisville, Kentucky. Gichirori is the name of the place where the coffee cherries are processed, and I was reading about the process station, and I was struck by the emphasis on sustainability at so many different levels. While there's a focus, of course, on processing the coffee fruit and shipping the coffee, green coffee beans, everything is done with an eye toward impact on the future, whether it's avoiding water contamination or protecting the coffee trees and the birds that nest in them, or even continuing education training for local farmers, there's a balance between production now and processes that will sustain the work over time. I'm going to tell you, better than my last cup of coffee that I, I brewed, this is a good cup of coffee. I wish I could be sharing it with you. But could you find there somewhere some kind of a thread of a connection to today's topic? I think I can. Yeah, you mentioned sort of impact and uh, sustainability for the future and uh, uh, balance between sort of what's needed right now and, and what's going to be sustainable long term. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I was hoping so. Give the man a Cupid doll. <laughs> he got it right. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, you... so uh, Kelvin, um, mm -hmm. since we are talking about that, um, mm -hmm. It's actually in the context of a conversation you had mm -hmm. with a friend of the show. Mm -hmm. um, you interviewed our colleague, Dr. Dylan Barth, about mm -hmm. the importance of well-being and self-care in online education. Yep. And Dr. Barth currently serves as Assistant Vice President for Learning at the Online Learning Consortium. And previously, Dylan taught and worked in faculty development at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee with our friend Tanya Justin. Mm -hmm. 
Dylan Barth has taught in higher education for more than 20 years, and he has spent over 12 years in faculty development. I enjoyed listening to the conversation. Is there anything you want to say about the interview before we jump to it? Um, maybe just a couple of just uh, clarifying comments. Uh, two resources that are kind of mentioned uh, quickly and obliquely that just so people will get what they are. Um, there's an Adam Grant TED Talk uh, that gets a mention. Uh, in that video, the full title is How to Stop Languishing and Start Finding Flow. We'll put a link in the show notes. And also uh, the uh, famous Mihai, Csikszentmihalyi book, Flow, uh, which has a psychology of optimal experience, I think is a, is a, is a subtitle. We'll put that uh, link in the show notes as well. Great. Well, with those extra little uh, pieces of context, through the miracle of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Dr. Dylan Barth. Hi, Dylan. So good to have you on TopCast today. Hi, how are you doing, Kelvin? Glad to be here. Well, you know, it's, great to, it's great to have you. Um, we were saying right before we hit record, I was trying to remember just today how long I've known you and, uh, and and how that came about, but it's it's been a number of years. I want to say maybe it was in the context of some blended hybrid uh, design or, or, or something, um, but it's got to be 10 plus years, I'm thinking easily, right? Yeah, I do think that if I recall correctly, it would be probably in Milwaukee at the blended, uh, we had a blended conference there mm-hmm. way back in the day, yeah, 2013 or something. And, yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, that was. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, that could be. Um, but uh, while we could veer off into the blended and/or hybrid uh, topics, that's not what we were hoping to talk about today. You and I have been um, uh, talking and corresponding uh, for a little while now about topics related to, I guess, what we might call broadly self-care in our field. And I, I thought it'd be great to uh, just have a dialogue on microphone with you about that, given the conversations that you and I have had. And um, Can I just ask you maybe just a by word of sort of framing, like why do you think that is a an important topic now in our field? Yeah, right now in particular, I think there is just quite a bit of burnout, right? And thinking mm-hmm. about the way that uh, instructors across the the nation here can really think about, um, you know, how they can infuse that self care into, um, in in some ways, just taking care of themselves. Right, that's implied in the definition. But I think also the whole idea of self care and being able to be there in a way that you can also then be there for your students in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really rather complicated. I. Th- one of the difficulties I think about self-care and sort of the, the narratives around it is that often it is framed in terms of uh, adding things on. So for example, mm-hmm. you need to take care of yourself. So get more exercise, right? <laughs> uh, we've talked about meditation or even that Adam Grant video that we've talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. He sort of references this idea of, you know, cheek set me high uh, flow mm-hmm. and engaging with communities. These are all wonderful mm-hmm. ideas, but they also have a lot of us thinking about, especially high achievers. Oh, well, not only do I have to do all this work that I'm being asked to do at the university, 
but also now I need to make sure that I'm getting my exercise and doing this. And I, I feel like that can create a little bit more stress uh, in, in that way. Um, so I really, I guess when I think about self-care, it's maybe in a strange kind of way that I think about it in terms of sacrifice, actually, in the sense of you either have to sacrifice your own care, like mm -hmm. your own health, or you have to sacrifice uh, maybe some things that are related to your profession, right? You may have to say no to something you're really excited about, say no to uh, someone within your organization, and that's very difficult. But uh, I just don't think we can do it all, and I think that's a part of self-care is understanding limits and then um, making time, carving out time for those things that can really help you reinvigorate. Yeah, that's 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 good. I I, I definitely uh, resonate with that that thought and that framing that often occurs. That oh great, here's one more thing I got to add to the list. Now I got to take care of myself. Fantastic. I was already stressed out. Now I'm more stressed out. You know that's that's not helpful. And I think that sacrifice is really interesting. Uh, maybe even counterintuitive. And and I could imagine some folks saying, well. Well, well, gee whiz, uh, you know, well, kind of old school thinking is, well, of course, you, you sacrifice your own good. That's the, that's the first thing to go. You know, eating right, exercise, that's the first thing to go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, taking breaks, well, that's a luxury you can't afford right now. You know, go ahead and, and uh, you know, do, do what you need to do for the organization, for your clients, you know, what, for students, whatever. And, um, you know, as, as I was listening to you say that, what came to my mind, I'd be curious to see your thoughts to this, it's a little bit of a, maybe a shorter term versus longer term issue, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you could, you could go, okay, short term, uh, okay, so let go of, I'm gonna skip my lunchtime walk, you know, or whatever, right? right? Yeah. And cause I'm gonna do this, gotta get this deadline done or whatever. As opposed to like when you were talking about saying no, it's not just saying no for the sake of saying no. <laughs> There's yeah. no right now for the longer term benefit. Does that resonate? It, yeah, absolutely it does. And I think, uh, you know, when I'm, this sort of gets at your original question was like, you know, why now? Why is this such a, uh, a concern um, in higher ed? And I think a big part of that is because a lot of institutions are really struggling with enrollments and there's a lot of pressure to find new ways to bring in new students, especially with the way that the job market is now. Uh, students don't need as much in the way of credentials. There's, there have been more jobs available for them. So the attraction to higher ed is maybe a little bit different than it was pre-pandemic, of course. Mm -hmm. And so the, the whole notion of increased pressure, but with just the same resources, creates this kind of sense of uh, do more with less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I have more of the do less but better kind of philosophy, mm -hmm. if you can, mm -hmm. that aligns with, with priorities. But this puts a lot of pressure on a lot of folks at institutions, and that then that ramps up and it, it can be very difficult, especially if you're in a position uh, that is not 
privileged at the university, so not tenured mm-hmm. faculty where you may feel like you can't say no in certain contexts. But I think um, th- those are external pressures, right? The kinds of pressures that come from, uh, you know, the deans or the provosts that you have to negotiate. And then there are internal pressures that uh, we put upon ourselves. And I guess we have a little bit more control over that. So um, do we, you know, there's a project maybe that I'm really interested in or implementing a new kind of um, either a tool or a technique into one of my courses and is now the right time and, and trying to be mindful of that. And there are no great answers here, but I think at least trying to think about, all right, well, where where are those pressure points coming from? What are their priorities and what can I really uh, where can I make the biggest impact? And when it comes back to it, I, I do think that uh, you're right in the sense that saying, um, you know, we have a, a lot of pressure for uh, ourselves to perform perform at a very high level. And if you're an instructor out there, right, you want to do well for your students. Mm-hmm. And we just know that that, but taking care of yourself, making sure that you have the energy and the time to provide that uh, to students is a, a, is really important as well. Mm-hmm. I was really struck by your phrasing that I don't think I, I think I've heard you say it before, and uh, and and I recognize the value of the of the phrase, but I don't know that I've heard it said uh, that much, and and I can see it being a bit um, against the grain, maybe, and I, I wonder if we might dwell here for a moment and unpack it a little bit. And that phrase is, "Do less, but better." You know, you said you contrasted that with, I think, with. Um, uh, do more with less, uh, like which is often the case, and, and we're seeing yeah. churn in our field, right? Um, yeah. Folks uh, departing the field and, and and so forth. So it was rough already, and now somebody's vacated, and so now you absorb, you know, their duties and all that. But that whole idea of do less but better, uh, what? How have you seen that work in practice? And how do you how do you think that you overcome sort of the maybe cultural resistance to that. Like, hey, you're kind of slacking. What are you, quiet quitting? I mean, you know, I mean, there's a little of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I believe I've faced that to an extent where um, a lot of times the story comes out where if, um, if I try to do maybe a little bit of pushback and say, well, you know, do we really have the capacity for this sort of thing? Is this a real priority? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we can... Uh, can do all of all of this, and I think there there is a story. Well, we can manage all sorts of different kinds of projects, and so we we can make it happen. And I think again, it's kind of that the the curse of being um, really ambitious and talented uh, that folks are willing to take this this sort of work on. So I think the the way that I've approached it is really trying to. You know, understand that it's a, a it's a culture shift, mm-hmm. and thinking about that it's it is a little bit against the grain. But then, um, also, I think when you're able to say, "All right, this is not a priority," um, and really provide a good rationale for that, be able to say no in ways that are uh, very respectful of other people, and also providing some alternatives. Like, well, okay, you're asking me to do this. 
I'm sorry, I can't do it right now. I would have to, uh, I would have to stop doing this other thing that's really important. Um, but maybe you could talk to this person, or I think I could get to it at this point. Mm -hmm. And having those open and honest conversations, they're not easy though mm -hmm. to have those, especially because I think in addition to really being hardworking and uh, we're also typically don't like to say no to people. I think that's, mm -hmm. if I had to say, you know, culturally speaking, like it is more difficult for us when someone has an ask to say, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and because you might hurt their feelings or they might jeopard, feel like you jeopardize the relationship. But to some extent, I do also believe it, it, it can create a, a different sense of respect. And also you're not you're not saying yes and then not delivering on that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That that it kind of creates a different kind of trust. Um, but I'm not going to say that it's uh, something that's that's really easy to do or easy to change a culture at all. Yeah, you said something right there at the end that I want to pick up on and then uh, and I have another thought about um, role um, and uh, sort of locus of control at different levels. The um, The thing that you said toward the end, I'm reminded, I don't know who said this originally, but some, some mentor of mine like decades ago um, sort of shared with me this, this phrasing that sounds like it's a quote from somebody, but I've never run across it. <laughs> it and it was, a, it was framed as a, I, I liked your idea of like the building trust. And this, this framing that this mentor shared with me was, was like, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do when I said I'm going to do it or I'm going to notify you with advance, with enough advance notice that you will not be hurt by mm -hmm. my actions. And I think there's a, a lot of kind of resonance with this, this line of conversation that we've been on of drawing those boundaries. It, it, it speaks to, um, connects kind of personal integrity um, with building trust, I think. I, I wonder just, looking for a little response. I, I saw your head nod a little bit. Does that, does that sort of ring true? And how do you, is, is, that, is, that, is that like helpful framing, do you think, for us to share with each other? Absolutely. I really, I really like that. That second piece that I think is often, uh, is often kind of missing and wh where it's, all right, so I can make this sort of promise that I'm going to deliver on this, but then uh, really about, well, if I can't do that, giving you the time to do that. And I think in any position that we're in, um, often some things come at us with very little time and that makes it difficult for us to, um, you know, work it into the, what we already were planning to do. Um, if we, you know, whatever kinds of work we're immersed in at the moment, you know, we talk about the fires coming in and, um, that is something that I try to be as mindful of pos as possible that um, I can find it very difficult when someone says, oh, I need this by tomorrow. Um, but how often have I done that to other people? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I have. And mm -hmm. so thinking about, I like that, putting that into sort of the expectations and making sure that um, I would be able to deliver on that and say, yes, all right, well, I need to take a little bit of responsibility if I'm falling behind on this. 
I can't put you in a position mm -hmm. um, that's going to stress you out and, and then put you behind on other kinds of projects. So mm -hmm. sounds like a nice, a, a good mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate in, in, in that respect. The, um, maybe as we begin to wrap up, um, the other thing that came to mind is, is you, have, you have taught at the institutional level, you have been a uh, uh, kind of digital teaching and learning support yeah. professional of sorts, uh, right? I guess we could yeah. frame that as a, as a field. <laughs> and, uh, and now you're in a leadership position in a professional association uh, that serves the broad digital teaching and learning field. Uh, I wonder from your vantage point, Dylan, this whole self-care thing, to what extent is responsibility at the individual level, your know, personal locus of control versus um, say organizational leaders in an institution versus um, folks like yourself and, 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 and our professional associations, like, how do we take responsibility at those different levels for, for this topic of self-care, do you think? Oh, wow. Yeah, it reminds me of the discussions around global climate change and sort of individual responsibility and corporate yeah. responsibility, government. Yeah, um, yeah I think, uh, you know, they, it's really to an extent both in, in trying to, uh, at the more of the top level, really being uh, a little bit more strategic about the kinds of initiatives that are going to be most impactful and align with the mission because uh, so that you can prioritize those um, rather than the sort of quote unquote spaghetti against the wall. Let's mm -hmm. see what works and let's see how we can get enrollments up kind of situation. But um, as individuals, we also can't necessarily wait for that to happen and um, do what we can within our own context, like you say, locus of control yeah. um, to get there. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, I think as institutional leaders, just being um, aware of the, you know, the, the how taxing it can be for, mm -hmm. especially within this environment right now, a lot of pressure and um, a lot of folks, I think also um, their teaching is, is changing uh, in, in positive kinds of ways, um, at sort of realizing what worked and didn't work um, during the pandemic. And that takes time and effort and um, but ultimately leads to student success and retention and all those those great things. And then, like finally, at the at like the professional association level, like uh, mm. organizations like like OLC and others, what do you think we can do at that level to combat this uh, uh, these cultural expectations? <laughs> you know that uh, that are sort of working against self care. Let's say. Yeah. Well. Uh, one thing I can say is we are um, one of the sort of research projects that we are at OLC pursuing um, in the coming years is a, a burnout study related mm -hmm. to instructional design. Yeah. Um, so I think at this at this kind of level, we can offer the kind of support. Mm -hmm. We can do things like uh, you and I did at um, OLC Live at the Innovate Conference, where we mm -hmm. can have conversations with the community about what they're experiencing. Um, and then, you know, really trying to look at uh, through the research, all right, what are those what are those barriers? What are folks facing in terms of burnout? And then trying to engage with uh, the community as well about ways that we can 
um, maybe more concretely than uh, I was speaking about it here about how to how to develop those that self care. Um, but I think I think we can get there. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dylan, for um, uh, coming and and thinking through a, a very complex <laughs> topic and, and and set of issues uh, with me and on behalf of uh, Tom, who will join us on, on the backside in the wraparound. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. And we'll have to have you back uh, yeah. to hear the results of that uh, survey when it's done. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to come back. And I appreciate you having me on here, Kelvin. So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Dr. Dylan Barth. Yeah. Dylan, like you said, friend of the show, great guy, and appreciated the insights. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation, and uh, boy, it's certainly been a topic of conversation uh, since spring of 2020. It seems like mm-hmm. it kind of has jumped to the forefront with mm-hmm. all of the stressors that the pandemic put on everyone and remote work and kind of extra work to try and mm-hmm. pivot everybody to remote instruction mm-hmm. and um and faculty and all of the support folks like the folks we work with. And so it's just, it's been in the zeitgeist for three years now. And um, and I guess we're still talking about it. Yeah, you know, I think it's because uh, people struggle. I think individuals struggle and I think organizations struggle to find what an appropriate balance is. We've talked about this many times. Uh, off mic, uh, maybe a little bit on mic, I don't remember. Um, There are extremes on either side, right? You can, (laughs) there's plenty to say about, um, you know, abuses of the concept of well-being and self-care. But despite that, I think many people struggle with finding uh, what an appropriate balance is. Somebody was telling me recently about how, well, I get here at X o'clock and I leave at Y o'clock and I'm thinking, you do that every day, and that's like twelve hours. <laughs> you know? Is that a is that a good thing? You know, yeah. like does that make sense? Well, yeah. I remember it was you. I think that said kind of at some point when we were kind of in the pandemic kind of response when everybody was working one hundred percent remote still, and we were we were just pedal to the metal trying to keep up and get ahead of some stuff that mm-hmm. y- you can only sprint for so long. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, before you, you're done and yep. you just burn yourself out. And so you, you kind of have to find a more sustainable pace. That's right. Um, you can sprint periodically when you need to, but you, right. you can't sustain that. And I think you were right. And that was a good metaphor for me at the time to kind of think about it and to talk to our team because we had some people on the team who, who didn't know how to let off the gas a little bit and they were like burning right. out. It's like, you, you know, you don't have to do all that you're doing right now. That's right. Right, you know, let's go back to more normal, mm-hmm. a more normal pace. And of mm-hmm. course, one of the um, one of the uh, uh, <laughs> concerns I have is that mm-hmm. the pendulum has, in some ways, swung a little too far to the other side. When you read things about quiet quitting, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I read article this weekend about minimal work Mondays and. Uh, done at two o'clock Fridays um, that I kind of go, okay, um, you, you're ruining it for the people who actually need balance yeah. <laughs> in their lives, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's, that's right. Uh, there, there are extremes either way, right? Or folks who, um, you know, uh, think about, uh, you know, I'm just going 90 to nothing. And, and if somebody is, 
is uh, cracking under the pressure. Well, that's just weakness. That's a you problem, you know, or whatever. And uh, you know, I I appreciate you know our colleagues over at the T for Teaching podcast have done a couple of episodes that I'm aware of um, related uh, to this general topic, but more on the burnout side, right? Uh, there was one they did a few years ago called Preventing Workplace Burnout with a Synthesis of the Research Literature, uh, which is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, co- a more complex phenomenon than some people are, I think, uh, prepared to um, recognize. And then uh, I was fortunate to participate in a panel that uh, they did at OLC Accelerate 2022, Advancing Inclusivity While Mitigating Burnout. So, I mean, I think there's plenty to talk about there about pursuing health and balance without egregious, let's see how little we can do kind of things, right? right? Taking advantage of yeah. a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, it's something I struggle with all the time. I, I tend to say yes to too many things, yeah. honestly. And, and in fact, I just recently turned down something that I really like. And I wanted to say yes to, but I just didn't have room in it. It was the opportunity to teach a class. I love teaching online, and I do it. I try to do it, you know, at least once or twice a year. And I just, for other reasons and other things going on, I just didn't think I could fit it in at the moment. And I was really disappointed in that, and I felt like I was letting down the department chair. But I just, yeah. you know, we we have to make those calls and prioritize yeah. kind of what's what's important, and that's that's not the core of the job for me right now. You know, that's that's right. That that's zeroes right in on a I think a point that Dylan made. Right, he he centered in on that word sacrifice. Yeah. Something's going to give. Right, you're going to sacrifice something. So what is that? And I think you know the question there is what are we saying no to and why versus what are we saying yes to and why? Shout out here. Just bought this book. About to start a book discussion here. Um, the colleague recommended this. Uh, Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away by a um, former professional poker player. Uh, And it's interesting, right? You and I have talked about this many times. Generally speaking, we're horrible at sunsetting stuff. And and as a a, a mentor of mine years ago said, if you're not regularly saying no to good things, you're probably not pursuing the best thing, right? So I'm looking forward to reading the book and seeing what the author has to say. That's interesting. Yeah, universities, colleges are notoriously bad at sunsetting things. Whether it's majors with two students in them, or and even you know here, um, I don't know what it's like in Louisville, but here, as you know, like we had all kinds of initiatives going and projects that we were in there. They all have value, but at a certain point, it's like we only have so much bandwidth and so many resources. We have to prioritize, and that that also sometimes means calling out the things that maybe are not the highest priority. That's right. That's right. So, shall I take a stab at uh, getting this plane on the runway? Stab it. (laughs) Stab it. Yeah, that'll get us there. (laughs) Uh, How about this? As many in our field are routinely called upon to do more with less, normalizing well-being and self-care are essential. Individuals benefit personally, and organizations benefit from retaining high-performing team members, and ultimately, our students benefit from the work that we all carry out. How's that? Yeah, that's right. You know, when you're on the plane, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help mm-hmm. somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same same idea. Cool. Well, thanks to you and thanks to Dylan for the conversation. I think yep. it is still timely and worthwhile. Um, until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. 
see ya.